Welcome to Scaling Up H2O, the podcast where we scale up on knowledge so we don't scale up our systems. The podcast where we industrial water treaters celebrate Industrial Water Week together. Nation, my name is Trace Blackmore, and I have had the honor of celebrating Industrial Water Week each and every day with you this week. Today is our final day in the celebration of Industrial Water Week. Now, last year, I asked everybody to make a water cake to end their celebration, take a picture of it, hashtag it so we could all see it, and let me know if you liked it. Well, some liked it, some didn't. If you want the recipe, you can go to episode 163's show notes. That episode has that recipe. Go ahead and try it. If you didn't try it last year, you can try it this year. I actually talk about the history of the cake. It's actually pretty cool when I did some research on it, but I'm going to make you do a little bit of work for that and go through the scaling up archives just like I have done this week. And I hope that you have the same feeling that I do, that every single year that we celebrate Industrial Water Week together it gets better. And I think that's because more and more people are learning about this holiday. And the reason that they are learning about it is because you, the Scaling Up Nation, are out there sharing the news. And I absolutely love that. Today is all about the fact that we have careers in industrial water treatment. On Friday, we celebrate careers. Think about all the jobs you could have had that are not this job and how lucky you are that you are in a career in industrial water treatment. As many of you know, my dad was my first teacher in industrial water treatment, but I didn't go into water treatment right out of school. In fact, I was a financial advisor. I worked for Mass Mutual Financial, and I have to say, I got some of the best sales training ever. It was second to none. I still use it today. Now, something they did is they made sure that you were never uncomfortable. They drilled that out of you, so you were able to stay calm in any situation. Kind of like sales training for SEALs, I think. Anyway, not that I'm anywhere near as fit as a Navy SEAL, but they were so intense when it came to this training. It was a combination of great role-playing, great critiques. People would go on appointments with me. They would ask me questions about how I thought it went. And after they got my feedback, they gave me theirs. It was great coaching. Back on episode 213, we talked about coaching. And I have to say that Mass Mutual and all the managers that I had there and Bill of episode 113 is going to get mad that I'm calling them managers. They truly were coaches and they allowed me to become excellent in sales and product knowledge through all of that training. In fact, I'm still using part of that in how I do sales and how I train other people. 
to do water treatment sales. But here's the problem. I really didn't like that job. I gave it about two years, and then I went over to another firm. That firm was Transamerica Financial Services. Now, I had the most fantastic boss I could ever imagine at Transamerica. In fact, he gave me more flexibility than I have ever had at any job. He gave me support. He gave me resources. The only thing was, I didn't like that job either. I was not doing what I enjoyed doing. And I was actually good at it. I was making decent money and my clients liked me and I liked my clients, but I just never connected with that job. Well, my dad and I would have lunch every couple of weeks and my dad said, hey, son, you just don't look happy. What's going on? And I told him exactly what I just shared with you. And he said, well, have you ever considered a job in water treatment? And I kind of chuckled and I remember thinking, dad, that's not a real job. Well, my dad said a couple things to me and they were all around. Yes, in fact, it paid for the house you grew up in. Uh, it was a real job, but the reason I didn't think it was a real job is because I used to I used to play with my dad's test kit. I used to make blue things turn red. I used to make green things turn red. I used to make all these different colors into different colors, and then I would count drops. Well, that can't be a real career. And then in high school, I was physical labor. I would carry things for my father taking them from the truck into the mechanical room. And that can't be a real job. But my dad sat me down and he really showed me how water treatment could be a very successful and lucrative career. He shared with me the company that he worked for. My dad never owned a water treatment company. He worked for uh, the company that was the first water treatment company that I started working with. And that company was called National Chemical. And he shared with me what the compensation plan was. And he told me that his vision was that he would go out there, he would sell accounts, which he was extremely good at, and then I would service them. And we did that for several years until I transferred down here to Atlanta. And then that's really where my career started taking off. But it all started because somebody had a conversation with me and talked about all the different options that I could have if I became an industrial water treater. And I hands down think that was one of the best decisions that I ever made. Whenever my dad would talk about water treatment, he would always call it a craft. And just think about that word a craft. Now, to get our friendly dictionary out, a craft is defined as an activity involving skill and making things by hand. Okay, so woodworking is clearly a craft, but water treatment? Thinking about why he used this term has really helped me define how I think of my career. An activity involving skill. Okay, we know we need knowledge, we need skill to perform all the tasks that we have to complete as an industrial water treater. So that part's pretty easy in the definition. But what about making things by hand? 
And that's where I think the term really takes on meaning, especially for me. Each and every day I practice water treatment, I make it personal. I put myself into everything that I do. I personally make what I touch better, and I personally take on making the industrial water treatment industry better. I hope these are things that you do too. I do water treatment by hand. And how I interpret that is I take pride in how I do water treatment. Now, I'm not sure if that's why my dad chose the word craft for all of those reasons, but when I say it or when I think about water treatment being a craft, I'm sure glad that that is the word that he chose because it really got me thinking about how I'm going to be in this wonderful career. So I hope you're asking yourself, is water treatment your career? Is it your craft? Do you respect it? Is it just a job? And I hope it's not just a job. If you can elevate it and take pride in everything that you do, you are doing water treatment as if you made it by hand. I've met so many people hosting this podcast, so many people that have made water treatment their craft. Now, two of these people you've heard from in the past, Jim Loria and Adam Tank. Now, Jim's been on the show a couple times, but Jim and Adam joined me back on February 21st of 2021 on episode 181. Now, they talk about being water treatment professionals, and here is an excerpt of that show. And that's the big thing that we look at, Trace, is what, what are the trends? And uh, uh, we, we try and, and build upon those trends in the industry to understand solutions around what Adam's company has to offer, what my company has to offer. And, and that's kind of where it starts. And, and um, that, that's kind of where our writing begins, at least, you know, for my long form blog posts and, uh, and articles. I try and start there because I think that's where people are interested in finding out. They're not so much interested in specifically what Maisie has to offer, unless they are, of course. But, um, you know, generally speaking, I like to tell the stories of, of water from a, you know, more general, general aspect. A lot of the conversations that we had, you know, as I'm thinking back on it, at the time I was running a, a water-related robotics startup in San Francisco, and Jim served as a mentor to me because of his diverse background in water. And so we talked about things like, you know, who to hire in the water industry and, and how to sell to water utilities and what the real value of water is and how you can price that in terms of your product. And so the, the conversations were, were pretty diverse. But like Jim said, what we always sort of came back to was when you tell your story on water, the goal is not to pitch your yourself, your product, you know, your you be you focused. The goal is to be focused on the value of water for everybody. It's a global good that ultimately is critical for life on earth. And so if you can always tie the strings to that overarching mission of just how important water is, people will listen. Now, before we move on to our next episode, we're going to look back on, here is today's James's mini challenge. 
Hello, Scaling Up Nation, and happy Industrial Water Week. Today's Careers Friday at James's Mini Challenge is Post a selfie of yourself on social media along with a story of how you got into industrial water treatment. As is often said, you're either born into industrial water treatment or you fall into it. There's rarely an in-between. I fell into it. People also enjoy hearing how others got into industrial water treatment. It would be nice as well if you mentioned whether you recommended it to others or not. Most of all, be sure to share your pictures on LinkedIn and other social media by tagging it with hashtag IWW21 and hashtag ScalingUpH2O. This is James McDonald, and I look forward to seeing what you share. Another industrial water treater and someone who I have really gotten to know well is Sean McGrade. Sean was one of the first listeners of the Scaling Up H2O podcast, and Sean was one of the first members of the Rising Tide Mastermind, and in my eyes, is a really solid water treatment professional. Being part of the Rising Tide Mastermind, I've been able to take an active role in his career and watch all of the things that he has accomplished, and he's accomplished some pretty amazing things. Sean joined us back on April 2nd of this year, and he was talking to us about why he chose water treatment as a career. You don't have to, you know, have some real technical background to be successful and to get into this industry. So basically, I was a building engineer for a school district, um, had been there for, you know, roughly 10 years. I had been struggling. I had, I had been thinking that this wasn't going to suffice what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. So it just so happened that the school district I was working for was going out for bid. And due to this, there was a couple water treaters who came in to do surveys. While they're doing their surveys, I'm kind of picking their brain. Um, you know, how did you get in the industry? You know, I had talked to many water treaters throughout my travels at the school district, and I'd, I'd always kind of been curious, you know, what did these guys do to land this job? You know, walking around with their test kit and their, you know, magical power cape, I was like, how do I become this person? So long story short, during those surveys, I picked their brains and just said, hey, I'm curious. I'm interested. What did you guys have to do to get into this? And they basically let me know, you know, we all have a different story. Some of us are pipe fitters. Some of us are, you know, got into sales or accounting or real estate or whatever. And oftentimes, as you know, people kind of fall into water treatment unless you have, you know, family or a history. That's something that is often passed down. But a vast majority of people kind of fall into the role. And once they're in, it's they typically never leave. So by the end of these conversations, they both offered me a job, which I was kind of dumbfounded. I, I didn't expect that result. And I talked to a gentleman, Jay, first. So I wanted to honor my commitment to him because I kind of gave him a verbal commitment. Hey, you know, I'm really excited. Thank you for the opportunity. Did not, you know, in my wildest dream, think the next person I talked to would offer me a job as well. So... I uh, started working with Jay over at, you know, a mid-market company, and my role was a service technician. And basically, what that involved was helping alleviate, you know, the load for him, whether it was 
uh, running pinks and blues, helping him, you know, without hit throughout his territory. And then they were also creating a service division to do some of these tasks. Oftentimes water treatment companies don't necessarily help out with, whether it's, you know, cooling tower cleanings, boiler cleanings, new control installs and piping. And I mean, you basically name it. So I did that and worked under Jay for about a year and a half. Throughout that time, I really looked at this role as an opportunity to really make something of myself. I wanted to take it to the next level. So I'd spend many nights, many weekends, face planted in a book, trying to soak up as much knowledge as I could because I, I looked at it as my ticket to really make something in a lifeline. If I could prove to you know my supervisors that I had the technical knowledge, I knew how to you know interact with customers, solve their problems, if I could gain a commitment from them to become a rep, that this would really take it to the next level. Another friend and fellow Mastermind member is Thomas Hardy. We met Tom on episode 54 when we were celebrating Careers Friday back in October of 2018. Tom shared with us some of the things that he learned about what makes a good water treater. In our organization at this point, we've kind of built a structure of not only running the company, but also how we're hiring people. That being said, we've found that one, finding people that are new to the industry are the easiest because they're a clean slate to train. Uh, We've also hired people that have been in the industry for a while. I'd say the biggest thing that comes along is I'm looking for people that really, uh, besides normal stuff, that they know how to do the job and can learn the skills that are needed, but that they can really fit into the culture that we've built here at Tower Water. So, Thomas, I'm curious, how do you look for new people when you have a gap and you've got to fill something? Well, first of all, we've built a structure to really kind of predict when we're going to need somebody because we're trying to, trying to grow past the need to hire somebody at the last minute. So, once we've can predict it and we can see that hey in six months from now we're going to need someone we start putting out the resumes out there and we start at people that are just graduating college with degrees similar to the field that we work in we also put out stuff out there into the industry facebook linkedin everything out there and start interviewing uh, we do a phone screen and then i usually sit with them we like to get them out in the field for a day to really witness the job and observe what it is that they may be doing if they're interested because it's just as much an interview for them it is for us I know we all love Detective H2O. Last year, we were introduced to his daughter, Dr. H2O, and we fell in love with her as well. Welcome to Dr. H2O, the case of hard diagnosis. Hilda Helen Oxidane, PhD, CWT, sat in her immaculately white laboratory studying the results of her latest scale inhibition analysis of a new polymer she had been developing. It looked promising. She jumped a little when her smartphone came to life in her lab coat pocket. Ringing once, twice, no only once. She was too efficient to waste time. Hello, Dr. H2O here, the best water treater this side of the Ohio. Diagnosing water problems for a healthier system. How may I help you? Wait a minute. 
Doesn't your father, Detective H2O, say the exact same thing? How could you both be the best water treater this side of the Ohio? We live on opposite sides of the Ohio River. Now that we've gotten that cleared up, how may I help you? Well, Doc, this is Danny. Down at Waterton Food and Beverage, our softener is sick. What are the symptoms? She's not getting a full run. She produces hard water long before she should. We need your services, Doc. We heard you make house calls. Oh, yes, I make house calls. Powerhouse calls. I will be over shortly. Dr. H2O arrived at Waterton Food and Beverage in her white late model Mercedes. She removed her black test bag from the trunk, checked in with the front gate guards, and made her way to the powerhouse. On her way to see Danny, the powerhouse superintendent, she stopped briefly to peruse the powerhouse logbook. She saw several notes of the water softeners producing hard water prematurely with the units manually placed into regeneration. There was definitely a problem here. Doc, you made it. Glad to see you. You too, Danny. Let's take a look at this water softener of yours. Making their way down the stairs to the powerhouse basement, the water softener loomed before them. She's actually two twin alternating softeners, but we see her as one large piece of equipment. If you don't mind me asking, do you refer to all of your water treatment unit operations using feminine pronouns? Oh no, that RO over there is a he. We're an equal opportunity offender here. He chuckled. I see, smiled the water doctor. Dr. H2O reviewed the water treatment logs, observing. So both water softener tanks are exhibiting premature hardness breakthrough at approximately the same time. That means the likely cause is common to both of them and not a mechanical issue on an individual unit itself. Let's start at the beginning, though, by doing an analysis of the incoming city water. I want to know if anything has changed. Opening her black bag, she extracted her water testing supplies and started running her analysis on the city water. Comparing it to her notes from previous Waterton city water analysis, she observed. Nothing has changed significantly with the city water. Total hardness, pH, iron, etc. All are basically the same. The free chlorine is higher than many areas around the city, at greater than 1 ppm, but still within the city's control parameters. By my calculations, your water softener is producing only 85% of the design softening capacity and dropping. Wow, Doc. I told you she was sick. Yes, our next step is to manually place the online softener vessel into regeneration. Observe the steps and perform an elution study to ensure proper brine concentrations are being reached. Dr. H2O stood beside the softener drain line that opened to the floor drain as Danny opened the control box and initiated a manual regeneration. Valves opened and closed, the standby software unit came online, and the online unit went into regeneration. The first step was a backwash to expand the resin bed and remove any debris or broken beads. On a smaller unit, I could use a bucket to measure the flow rates out of the softener during each regeneration step to ensure they meet manufacturer specifications or industry standards. With flow as large as this where that is impossible, one must fall back upon observations instead of absolute accuracy. While the backwash continued, Dr. H2O inspected the brine tank and tested its level of saturation with her sodium chloride salometer. It was 100% saturated, as it should have been. She also measured the brine tank diameter and brine depth. The backwash went through its entire cycle as expected for as long as expected. No cause for malady so far. With a salometer and graduated cylinder in hand, when the brine cycle started, Dr. H2O started recording the salinity of the water every three minutes. Some people like to measure every five minutes, but I find I get a much more detailed elution curve every three minutes. Sometimes the enhanced data resolution helps. 
At the end of the brine cycle, the slow rinse cycle started. Dr. H2O measured the brine depth again while keeping an eye on the slow rinse cycle flow and duration. Lastly, the fast rinse cycle started and she observed and timed as well. Plotting the salometer data points on her tablet computer, Danny watched over her shoulder and asked, Well, did you find anything? No. This is a textbook example of what an elution curve should be. It shows just over 30 salometer degrees for 30 minutes per industry standards. I calculated the brine usage from the change in the brine tank level, and that is perfectly within industry standards as well. So far, we have a healthy specimen. Let me take a closer look at the floor drain area. Using the flashlight setting on her smartphone, Dr. H2O made a close inspection of the floor drain. Do you see this, Danny? See what, Doc? These little broken resin beads. There aren't many, but there are a few. You don't have a resin trap installed, I see, which could have been helpful. I think it is time for a surgical approach. Let's open the standby softener up. With the other unit online, we have several hours before that one is due for regeneration. Sure, whatever you say, Doc. Relieving the water pressure on the standby softener, Danny opened the top maintenance hole on the softener vessel. After inspecting the ladder, Dr. H. Doyle climbed up and took a look. The surface of the resin bed was relatively even, no obvious signs of uneven flow or channeling. The surface also looked clean and free of debris. Next, she measured how far the resin bed started from the top of the vessel and marked this level on the side of the unit. There were no previous markings, so it was not possible to see if there had been any change. What do you see up there, Dr. H2O? So far, so good. Now to take a core resin sample. Improvising a resin thief with PVC piping, she drove it into the resin bed and obtained the best representative sample that she could. Pulling out her magnifying glass, she took a look at the resin. The color looks typical, although without a sample of the original resin, it's hard to tell what color it truly was originally. I do see some broken beads in here. The doctor observed. Then she placed some resin beads between her fingers and began to rub them around. Danny, come here, stat! What's up, Doc? Asked Danny as he came running. Watch this! Replied Dr. H2O as she rubbed more resin beads between her fingers. They disintegrated! That's weird! What's happening here? We made our diagnosis, Danny. That's what's happening. Your resin is breaking down due to the over 1 ppm free chlorine in your incoming city water. The chlorine attacks the polystyrene cross-linking in the resin beads, causing its moisture content to rise and the beads to swell. The beads start to break and get washed out with the backwash, reducing overall capacity. I prescribe replacing the resin as soon as possible. I see. Is there anything we can do to prevent the new resin from degrading the same way? That's a great question. While there's really no such thing as a chlorine-resistant softener resin, you can get resins with higher cross-linkings that will withstand the chlorine oxidation for longer periods of time. You could also install dechlorination technology upstream of the water softener, such as a carbon filter. I'll work up a report on a few options. Our softeners will be on the mend running at full capacity soon because of you. Thanks, Dr. H2O. Dusting off her white lab coat and picking up her black testing bag, Dr. H2O replied. It's all in a day's work, Danny. Healing water treatment problems is in my blood. In industrial plants across sprawling Waterton, where boilers get upset and cooling towers operate at fever pitch, one woman has made it her calling to diagnose their ills to soothe corrosion, mitigate scale, disinfect microbes, and save water drop by drop. That woman is Dr. H2O, best water treater this side of the Ohio, one doctor that still makes house calls, powerhouse calls.
That was originally aired October 9th of last year on episode 163. And I love all of the Detective H2Os, but this one is my absolute favorite. It's my favorite because that was James's daughter, Grace. Now, I don't know if she's going to choose water treatment as her career, but because her dad has shared all of these possibilities with her, maybe she will. And the door is open. How many people out there don't even know that this is a possible career? So I want you to consider this. Are you priming the pump for the next generation of water treaters? And if you're not, consider how rewarding that might be. Now, to close out Industrial Water Week for 2021, here is James McDonald. Happy Industrial Water Week, everyone. While today may be the last day of the week, it is by no means the least important day. Careers Friday. How do we pass on our love, our passion, our knowledge to the next generation of industrial water treatment professionals? Industrial Water Week is about you, me, and those who come next. I genuinely hope you have taken some time to celebrate this week, time to appreciate what we do, time to share with others what makes you get up out of bed each morning. As this week draws to a close, I challenge you to think about the year ahead of us. How will you continue to learn more, improve your skills, expand your industrial water treatment network, and share what you know with others? You don't have to do it all at once, but one drop at a time, or as I like to say, drop by drop. Happy Industrial Water Week. Nation, the more you know, the better decisions that you can make. And let me tell you, if there was one thing that I learned at the recent Association of Water Technologies conference was there were major changes coming to how we get our regular raw materials for our day-to-day products. Now, I don't know if anybody knows the exact answer, but there are definitely people out there that know more than most, and these are the people that are responsible for getting our products to us. We're going to be joined on October 14th at 5 p.m. on a special Zoom call with Mike Standish of Radical Polymers, Jill Cavano of Scranton Associates, John Zabrita of Zybex, and Gary Garcia of Masters Company. Be sure that you register for this valuable roundtable event by going to scalinguph2o.com forward slash update. Here, we will be able to hear on what the current climate is and what they anticipate is going to happen in the near future. You will probably get direct things that you need to do to make sure that you are making the best decisions today that will affect what you do tomorrow. Please join me in learning about everything that we need to do to make sure that we can weather whatever this supply chain is throwing at us. Again, that's going to be on October 14th at 5 p.m. And you can register by going to scalinguph2o.com forward slash update. Nation, I would love for you to take a picture 
of somebody that has really helped you in your career. Maybe you can stand next to them and you can post that. Maybe that takes longer than today. Maybe it takes you a week. Maybe you'll see them next month. I would love if you continue whenever you get that picture and hashtag that to IWW21 and hashtag scaling up H2O. There are so many people in our lives that have helped us become the people that we are today. And in fact, something we can do today is as soon as it's safe to pull over, go ahead and text that person in your life, somebody that's helped you out, and let them know that you just appreciate them. I hope you get a text like that someday if you don't get one today, but I know for sure you can brighten somebody's day and letting them know what they did and how it mattered to you. Nation, I hope that this is more than a job to you. I hope you love it. I hope you respect it. And I hope you make industrial water treatment better every chance that you get. I also hope that you help others. At the end of the day, I think the only thing that truly matters is our relationships. How are your relationships? Are there some relationships that you need to work on and why not start today? Also, are you being mentored by somebody in water treatment? If you're not, call somebody today and ask them to mentor you. Are you mentoring somebody in water treatment? Trust me, you know information more about a particular topic than somebody else does. Reach out to somebody and ask them if they want to enter into a mentor-mentee relationship with you. Here's the thing. If you enter into that relationship, even things you think you know because you're explaining them to somebody else, you will know them better. You will get better because you're making somebody else better. We have so many opportunities all around us I hope you're taking advantage of them. I hope you love this industry as much as I do. And I hope you've enjoyed celebrating Industrial Water Week. I'll be back with you next Friday for a brand new episode of Scaling Up H2O. Happy Industrial Water Week, everybody. Nation, there's no doubt after listening to this episode, life is about relationships. And when you have quality relationships that you can talk about the things that you need to talk about and get answers to questions that probably nobody else you know can answer, life just has a way of getting better. Those are some of the things that we try to do in the Rising Tide Mastermind. And if this sounds like something that you should be a part of, I urge you to go to scalinguph2o.com forward slash mastermind to find out if this is the right group for you.